Easter's two weeks away. And as we get closer and closer to Easter, you hear people talking about the resurrection. You hear them talking about Jesus going to the cross and paying the price for our redemption. You pass by churches and see crosses with a purple garment hung on it, Easter lilies, all these types of things that remind us of what Jesus did for us at the cross. It's difficult so many times for us as we think of the cross and we think of what he endured for us to to think of those images or to see them even in a movie such as The Passion of the Christ or even on a video that we show here at church. The reason why is because it's such a hard day and, and that weekend something that we celebrate the day that we call Good Friday. In fact, how many of y'all in here are going to eat some crawfish on Good Friday? Praise God for crawfish. But a day that was so good for us because of what Jesus, what he did for us at the cross, it wasn't such a good day for him because of the brutality that he endured. What they did to his body. How they took him and beat him and mocked him and stripped him then nailed him to a cross. Today and next week as we lead into Easter, we're going to learn so much from what Jesus was his worst day and how it turned into the best day that we could ever experience because of what he won for us at the cross, the redemption for our sins, the freedom, the victory that he purchased through his precious blood, through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. We can experience the life that God really intends for us to live. Well, it's good to see all of you this morning. Hope that you're having a great time of worshiping together, and I want to take a moment just to welcome those who are here as first-time guests. Uh, just want to take a moment. I'm Jay. My wife, Stacey, and I are the lead pastors here at Journey. It's just an honor to have you with us today, and for all of you who are joining us online right now, thank you so much for tuning in today. And church family, let's give all of our guests and our online guests a great big hand clap today. And today, as we prepare to, to jump into this message to, to really get a a, a great time of study in the word. I want to take a moment. We talk about Easter. Last week, we talked about being able to share Christ with other people and talk with you about the greatest treasure that we could ever share is Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something, boy, everybody want to talk about them Skittles last week. That was, y'all enjoyed them Skittles? Man, there were Skittles everywhere in here, okay? And I actually had somebody message me. They said, you know what? They gave me the card and invited me, but they ate the Skittles themselves. And I'm like, But that that was the point. I tell y'all, those are for y'all. And uh, we actually asked you to help us get the word out for our Easter services. Uh, It's only two weeks away, and we have five services that we're hosting that weekend, Saturday evening, the 20th, at 5 o'clock and 7 o'clock, and then Sunday morning, 845, 1030, 1215. And y'all take these cards. Actually, there's more of these at the Welcome Center. You can pick them up. Take as many as you need and invite all the friends and family that you need to come out and be a part of this service. It's going to be a great Easter weekend. And then, as I just want to tell you all something that, that got me excited the other day. Uh, I, I walk by the nurseries, the preschools, I walk by Children's Church, and I see what an awesome job our children's ministry is doing. Pastor Casey and, and uh, Kelly and Casey Sullivan are children's directors, and they do a tremendous job in there with an awesome team of workers. You'll see the workers around here. Uh, they wear orange shirts. There's uh, Wayne and Lana. And, 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 I mean, everybody just giving a pouring into these kids. And we usually average somewhere between 250 and 300 kids 
And uh, a weekend before last, Kelly came to me and said, uh, Pastor Jay, I want to tell you, we had over 300 kids in children's church this weekend. And so they are doing an awesome job of pouring into our kids in there. So can we give our children's work, preschool, nursery, kids' church, come on, give it up for them. Doing an awesome job. And the conversation that Kelly and I had, I'm so impressed with what they're doing in there. And here's what, they, they need some more help in there because they have so many kids. And uh, I wanted to ask you if you would consider this today, especially in the preschool and the nursery, they need some extra help in that area. So if you would consider uh, stepping up and, and being a part of that team, they actually have a table set up in the foyer today. You can go by there, visit with them and sign up and find out about Nursery Preschool Kids Church and join that team because they have a blast and they're ministering to the kids. So I encourage you, visit that table after the service is over and let's build the kingdom through our children. Amen? Yeah. All right, so today as we are stepping into this series for three weeks, uh, what we're going to do today is we're going to discover how what was Jesus' worst day ever was a good day for us. And how because Jesus endured this, we actually can overcome the difficult days that we have. How many of you in here ever had a difficult day? You ever had a bad day? Raise your hand. We have those days that come along where you, you wake, wake up on the wrong side of the bed or, or maybe you just have some things happen. It's like, man, what in the world is going on? This is the worst day ever. And that's kind of your mindset. And, and we all have those because so many times we're going through those days, we think nobody else is facing what I'm facing but we all have bad days. We all have those days that we think are the worst day ever. I, I had a situation, I was remembering this, my memory was jogged yesterday on this, and, and you'll find out why here in just a second, but it was a couple years back when the boys were in high school, and they loved to drive my pickup truck whenever they would go out and do things on the weekend and all that kind of stuff, and Bryce had asked me on Saturday, Dad, can you just pick up a truck? I'm like, yeah, yes, but make sure you bring it back. You know, I got church in the morning, bring it back, park it in my spot, all that kind of stuff. And that night he came back, parked the truck, and we all went to bed and got up the next morning. And Stacy had left before me because she's got to be here a little bit earlier than me on Sunday morning. But uh, I'm on my way up here, and I noticed whenever I cranked up my pickup truck, the gas light was on. I'm like, huh, that's interesting, you know. And so I take off, and I'm like, Lord, you know, I'm interceding and praying, Lord, just get me down to the truck stop, put a couple dollars in this thing, get to church. And as I made the turn from Amy Church Road onto Thunderbird Beach Road, uh, that was it. it. It it gave up the ghost, and that all, the gas ran out, and that was it. And, and I pulled off there in one of the little driveways at Amy Baptist Church. Can I tell you, I called Bryce, and uh, with all the fatherly love that I could muster... I said, son, you, you need to get up and you need to come down here and you bring some gas because the truck is broke down. And so he came there, we filled, put some gas in it, and I'm like, now, son, let me tell you something. When you borrow something, make sure you put gas back in it whenever you get through. And he's like, dad, I'm sorry, you know. And, and I got to tell you, that was one of those days. It's not a great way to start your day when something like that happens. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. And so we walked away from that situation, and I'm just, I'm just being 100% honest with you. I really was not that happy that morning with him. Any other parents know what I'm talking about, okay? But then from there, you come here, you got to preach on Sunday morning. It's like, okay, now, Jesus, you know? So anyway, you know, we, we move forward from that. And uh, yesterday, Bryce, he, he left the house. He got in his truck now because he's got his own truck. Got in his truck. He left. He's gone about five minutes. He called and he said, Dad, he said, I need some help. 
I said, what's going on? He said, I was driving, uh, you know, g- coming down here, I guess, to the church. And he said, I was pulling from Amy Church Road onto Thunderbird Beach Road, and the truck just died. I don't, I don't know what's up. I said, could you be out of gas? He said, there's a possibility you could be out of gas because the gas light was on. And <laughs> did I mention that, that he had done that a couple years ago on my truck? Not just once, but I think it was like three times. And so... Uh, Anyway, so I'm like, yes, I'll come help you. And I got the gas can, went down there, and we're feeling, we're feeling, putting that gas in his truck. And I'm kind of like, hey, you see that driveway over there? And he said, Dad, I know that's where your truck broke down. And two words rang in my mind, sweet justice. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, it's awesome. But yeah, you ever have one of those days that just starts off in the wrong way? And you're like, well, you know, what in the world? This is, this is not so good. And we all have those days that we say, this is the worst day ever. But here's what I'm going to tell you, in spite of running out of gas, in spite of being late for the office, in spite of waking up on the wrong side of the bed, uh, the worst day ever was whenever Jesus had to endure what he endured so that our sins could be forgiven, so that we could have relationship with a heavenly father, with God. He went through the worst day ever that turned out to be the best day ever for all of us. And so we need to understand that as we look into the series that we really kind of a, a carry off from last week when we finished out that series uh, that we allow God to work within our heart and our life because today we're going to face something that is really difficult for us to handle but we need to learn to handle it and we're going to learn from the life of Jesus because on his worst day ever he was able to extend forgiveness to people who were around him trying to take his life. Now here's what's ironic to me. Here's Jesus extending life to those who were trying to take his life. And he's on the cross and he's saying things like this as they're all around him, as they're, they're mocking him and making fun of him and abusing him. He said something in it like this in Luke chapter 23, verse 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Now, a lot of times we hear that in Scripture, and we just kind of we kind of breeze through some of these statements in Scripture, but that is probably one of the most powerful statements that I've ever heard. And the reason why is because imagine this, they're there mocking him, spitting on him. They're there making fun of him. They're there, the, the guys who had just driven nails through his flesh, and he chose, everybody say chose. He chose to forgive them. Father, forgive them. They have no idea what they are doing right now. And here's the lesson for all of us. On those days that are rough, on those days where it seems life is against us, then we have to be, follow the example of Christ. I must choose to forgive those who are trying to wreck my life. Because get this, there are people that it seems like it's their mission in life to mess up our life, right? Like, what, what are you doing to me, you know? It's like every, I'm trying to be nice here, trying to do whatever, and this person just keeps, you know, gossiping or lying or false accusation, whatever it might be, this person just keeps coming against me. And in those situations, you have to choose to forgive. You say, well, well how is that even possible? Well, we look at the life of Jesus here, and we follow his example. Now, I'll be honest with you, it's easy in those situations to begin to despise people. Because here's what we're going to go. How many of you in here have ever been hurt by somebody? Raise your hand. We, we all have been hurt. Things have happened. People have rejected us. People have hurt us. People have said things about us. 
We've all been hurt, and it's easy to hold on to a grudge. And that grudge, we say, you know, I'll, get, I'll show them. And we let that build up in our heart. And there's anger, and there's resentment. There's all this junk that starts to build up within our heart. And guess what? Does it hurt that person? No. no. Who does it hurt? Look at your neighbor and say, you. Look back at him and say, me too. Okay. Just, yeah, speak. I, I, I heard somebody say this one time, holding on to unforgiveness and anger is like drinking poison and expecting it to affect the other person, okay? Because who's it really hurting? It's hurting you. Uh, I heard a story about this guy uh, that he, he started not feeling well. His name was Boudreaux, and uh, <laughs> so he went to go see his, his good friend, Dr. Thibodeau, and he walked and he said, Dr. Thibodeau, I don't know what's going on. He said, I feel really bad. He said, I, I've got these shakes, and, and I've gotten to where, you know, I'm just nervous all the time. He said, man, whenever I, I drink my coffee in the morning with Marie, he's like, it, it, like I, I got a little, little slobber coming out my mouth here, like foam. And, and he's like, oh, Boudreaux, we got to do some tests on you. So they did all these tests and blood tests and, and a mouth swab, all these kind of things. He said, go home. A couple days, I'll call you. Come back see me. So Boudreaux, he went home. Marie said, well, how did that go? He said, it's okay. They run all these tests on me. A couple days later, Dr. Thibodeau called and said, Boudreaux, you got to come see me. we got some things we need to talk about. So he rushed down to the clinic. He said, Doc, tell me, what's going on? He said, well, all these symptoms you have, how's it going? He said, well, they're getting worse, Doc. He said, well, we, all these tests came back, and it looks like you done got the rabies. He's like, you know, anything happened? Did a gator bite you, anything like that? He said, no, no, no. He said, I was one night going to take care of my chickens, and there was a raccoon there, and he, he jumped up and bit me on my hand. He said, well, that's, what, that's probably how you got it. You got the rabies. He said, well, what, what can we do, Doc? He said, there's nothing that can be done. It's, you're so far along. You start to foam with the mouth, all this kind of stuff. He said, you just need to go home, spend time with Marie, with your kids and, and, and your friends, and, and th that's it. So immediately he sat down and he started writing out a list. He said, well, what are you doing? He said, Boudreaux, you, you need to go home. He said, what are you, what are you, why are you writing a list? He said, you making a list of all the things you want to do? He said, no, I'm making a list of all the people I want to go bite. So... <laughs> Y'all like that, huh? <laughs> now, he, here's, here's the truth. We hold on to things, and we think, I'm going to go bite somebody. I'll, I'll show them. But the only one that's really hurting is us. We get eat up on the inside with unforgiveness, bitterness, all these things that we hold on to. And we look at Jesus, and he was able to, on a cross, people around him trying to kill him, trying to take his life. And he's extending forgiveness. He's extending love to those ones who are all around him. And so I look at this, and, and, and we, we think of unforgiveness. We say, where does it all come from? How does it build up in my heart? And we look at all the things that Jesus faced, because think of this. There is nothing in this world that we face that Jesus has not faced himself. You say, well, well okay, well, give me some things that he faced. I mean, he, he's forgiving them for nailing him to a cross, but I mean, what all did that entail? Think of all the things that he's facing here. He's facing false accusations. Somebody came and lied about him. He did all this and he did that. They made up this, this fake case against him. He's facing humiliation. He's in the public square. He has been stripped completely and he is facing utter humiliation. He's facing rejection. The people who cried out, crucify him. The very ones he had probably seen in the crowds as he ministered, they're calling for his crucifixion. He's faced abuse. They have beaten him. They have brutalized him. And then on top of that, he's facing betrayal. The ones who were the closest to him, the ones who he thought would be there for him, they've all run off, they've all hid. And then Judas Iscariot, that brother right there, went and turned him in. 
All these things that are coming against him. All these things that he is facing. And here's what I want to tell you. You need to know that Jesus did not just die for your sins, but he endured everything that he faced so that on our worst possible day, we could overcome those things as well. Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 2, and I love this. I'm going to read this to you out of the message translation because I just like the way it reads. It tells us, it's obvious, of course, that he didn't go through all this trouble for angels. In other words, the angels are in heaven in the presence of God. They didn't need all this. Look what it says. It was for people like us. Look at your neighbor and say, me and you. Children of Abraham. That's why he had to enter into every detail of human life. Then, when he came before God as high priest to get rid of the people's sins, he would have already experienced it all himself, all the pain, all the testing, and would be able to help where help was needed. Somebody says, well, well how can Jesus help me? There's, once again, there is nothing that you will face in this world that Jesus has not faced already, that he's not already been victorious at the cross. And so here's the thing. The worst days that we face, Jesus can help us through those things. And the forgiveness that he extended is something that we need to be flowing in as well. Now, forgiveness is tough for us. And the reason why it's tough, because a lot of times people think when they hear talk about forgiveness, they say, well, you know what? You have no idea what I have been through, Pastor Jay. You have no idea what I have faced. You have no idea the humiliation, the abuse, the rejection, the hurt. All of these different things. And here's some things I want to tell you, okay? First of all, and I've shared this with you before because it always goes along with forgiveness. You need to know that just because you choose to forgive somebody, it is not minimizing the seriousness of what you have faced. I get it. You have faced some things that have been difficult. You have faced some things that have been humiliating. You have faced some things that have been so hard for you to walk through. I get it. Those things are real and they are there. But holding on to the unforgiveness within your heart is only hurting you. You need to choose to step forward from that. Extend forgiveness, even if it's not asked for. Choose to forgive that person. And it doesn't mean that you are minimizing the seriousness of the offense that occurred. Forgiveness is also not an instant restoration of trust. Okay? A lot of times people think, well, because I forgive this person, we got to go back to trusting them and all that kind of stuff. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying, okay? does not mean that, that things are going to go back the way that they were. And it also is not this. Forgiveness is not resuming the relationship without any changes. Sometimes there needs to be changes made within a relationship to make it healthy. Sometimes there's boundaries that need to be put in place. Sometimes there's even relationships that maybe we even back up from or walk away from because of the offenses that have happened, but you can still extend forgiveness regardless. And the reason why is so that your heart and who you are as a person can be healed. Now, here's what happens so many times. You say, well, I, I'll forgive. I'll forgive them all right, but I'm going to pray that God brings hellfire and brimstone down on them here on earth, okay? Well, then guess what? That's not real forgiveness. Here's another thing that I want to tell you. You forgive, and we always like to say, well, the Bible says you're supposed to forgive and forget. The Bible does not say that, okay? Because you will never really be able to forget. There's things that I remember back from whenever I was a kid, okay? So scientifically, they have proven that they can probe the brain and make you remember anything. But here's the reality. You will remember that, and guess who loves to come and remind you of it after you've chosen to forgive? The enemy comes and reminds you of it. And here's what you got to do. You have to remind yourself and him, no, no, I've already forgiven that person for that. That's under the blood of Jesus, okay? Where are your sins at when you ask forgiveness? They are covered with the blood of Jesus. They are forgiven. 
So when you choose to forgive somebody, in essence, you are putting those things as well under the blood of Jesus. You are giving them to Jesus. And so whenever the enemy comes along and tries to remind you of it, hey, remember this person did this or that or whatever, you just remind yourself, no, 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 no. I have forgiven them, and that is under the blood of Jesus. Now, that might take some time. I've forgiven people before, and it's taken me years of reminding myself, that's forgiven, it's under the blood, and eventually the enemy's going to quit coming and reminding you of it because he knows he's not getting anywhere. So here's what we're going to do. Today, as we talk about this, I want to just share some thoughts with you about walking in forgiveness. And you can take notes. If you came in and said, well, we didn't get a bulletin, where are our sermon notes? If you remember, a couple weeks back, I told you about our new digital bulletin. If you have not yet downloaded the YouVersion Bible app, then you need to download it because it is awesome. Let me show you what we got here, if I can get my phone to work. Go to your Bible app on your phone, and in the, the right lower-hand corner, you hit where it says More. It's going to pop up a menu. You click on Events. Come on. And then all these churches should pop up, but they're not going to because I need them to right now. No, I don't forgive you. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. So. But you click on Journey Church, and there's your bulletin, your electronic bulletin that you can use. You can write out all the notes. I actually had it up there a while ago, and I closed it out, and that won't reopen for whatever reason because my phone's being stubborn. But use your digital bulletin because you can take notes and write things out and save it. You can go back and look at it later. But I love that thing. It's an awesome tool. So here's what we're going to do. Let's go through this because a lot of people say, well, well, what's the big deal? Why do I have to forgive? Because when you hold on to stuff, think of it like this. When you hold on to unforgiveness, it literally is walking through life with a weight on you. Okay? I was thinking of this the other day. We were at the gym cutting up. We were working out and all this kind of stuff. And we were lifting weights. And one of the guys are around me, they're encouraged, come on, you got this, you got this. And here's what happens. The enemy tells you whenever it comes to forgiveness, un, walking in unforgiveness and hold on to those things, he tells you, you know what, you don't need to forgive them. You got this. You can handle this. I'm going to tell you something. You cannot handle unforgiveness. It will eat your life up. And so whenever you forgive, first of all, here's what I want you to remember. Write this down in your notes. I must forgive because I need forgiveness. Okay? Now, I asked you a few minutes ago, how many of you here have, have been hurt before? Pretty much everybody raised their hand. How many of you in here before, a little pop quiz, have ever messed up and hurt somebody else? Come on. Okay, put your hands down. How many of you in here have ever sinned before? Raise your hand. Oh, what? Okay. You didn't raise your hand, you just sinned right there. Okay. Yeah. You're lying. What? It's church. We mess up. Look at your neighbor and say, we mess up. Thank goodness for his grace. We mess up and we need God's forgiveness. And his forgiveness, his grace is there, freely given, freely received. It's never a license for us to cover sin and say, you know what, I can sin because I know that God's going to forgive me. Don't, don't go there, don't do that. But understand this, the Bible shows us if we're not willing to forgive others, then God's flow of forgiveness into our life can be hindered. Now that's serious. We're not kidding around here. The Bible shows us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, it says, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Listen to this. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's serious. That's a verse that just kind of smacks you right in the face. And the reason why that is so important is because we all have times that we mess up. We have, whoa, we have those times where we wake up on the wrong side of the bed and we're grouchy. 
and we get up and we mouth off to somebody like our spouse or the kids or a friend. Anybody else ever done that before? Yeah, don't, don't, don't everybody look at me like that, okay? Be like, only you, Pastor Jay. No. You ever had those times in a, in a moment where maybe you've been negative about something? You ever had a moment where maybe you lost your temper? I know that, that, that I fall short in, in some areas. I need God's forgiveness. And so that's why all of us, we all need it. We have to be willing to flow in forgiveness, not holding on to stuff. Because imagine if we hold on to those things, the damage that they can do to the other relationships within our life. They can cause harm to our family relationships. They can cause harm in our marriage. And I love what a guy told John Wesley one time. John Wesley, great evangelist, great man of God. The guy told me, he said, man, it's hurt me so bad I'll never be able to forgive. And I love John Wesley's response to him. He said, then I hope you never sin again. In other words, hey, buddy, don't hold people's things against them because just like me and everybody else on the face of this earth, you need God's forgiveness as well. And our forgiveness can be hindered if we choose not to forgive the other people all around us. Here's the next thing that we learn from this. I need to learn to forgive without conditions attached. Now, whoo, that's a tough one there. Because here's what happens. We say, well, I'll forgive them, but... Sound familiar? I'll forgive them, but they got to do this. Or, boy, I'll forgive them, but I don't ever want to see their face again. And if I do, man, I'm going to beat them up, okay? We have all these conditions so many times that we attach to it. And I love what Ephesians 4.32 says. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. What is he doing? He's reminding you, hey, God forgave you, so you have to forgive other people around you. Pastor Jay, you just, you just don't know. Man, I've been abused, I've been hurt, I've been rejected, I've been humiliated. You're right, I don't know. But Jesus knows. Jesus was abused, humiliated, rejected. He was betrayed. He faced everything that all of us have faced in this world. And he still chose to forgive because of the love within his heart. And so we think of this. And whenever you are, are, are at the place where you have to forgive somebody, make the decision that I'm going to forgive this person because God forgives me with no conditions attached to it. Because Imagine if you came to God and you said, God, I need you to forgive me for being negative or losing my temper. I need you to forgive me for having a bad attitude. And God said, well, you know what? I'm going to forgive you, but that's not what God does. He forgives us. We repent and move forward from that. And here's the thing. We have to be willing to do the same thing in the relationships that we have here on this earth. So learn to forgive without conditions attached. Here's the next one. Make a decision to forgive in advance. I love this one. In other words, before you are even hurt, make a decision that you're going to be a person that walks in forgiveness no matter what. And here's the thing. You will be tested on that. If you choose, hey, I'm going to be a person. I'm going to forgive people no matter what. And you watch because the enemy is going to try to test you in that area. You're going to go to Walmart. Somebody's going to take your parking place, okay? People are going to cut you off in traffic. You're going to go to work. Somebody's going to smart off to you, whatever. He's going to try to push your buttons to see if he can get you to lose it. You have to be prayed up. You've got to let the Holy Spirit lead you. You've got to make a decision to forgive somebody in advance. And here's the thing. The truth is there are people all around us that, that will hurt us, but we need to remember that even we can hurt others. So let's have the attitude of Christ and allow him to lead us in direct. Have you ever hurt somebody before and didn't even realize you hurt them? Maybe that's happened to you as well. Maybe somebody hurt you, wounded you, offended you, and they didn't even realize it. 
So in that situation, whenever you're getting ready to go have Easter lunch with the family and, and maybe, you know, Uncle So-and-so there that maybe he's just kind of rough with his tongue or whatever and he says things that can be offensive or hurtful, be prayed up before you go into that and just say, you know what, I'm going to choose to forgive him, Jesus, just like you have forgiven me. Amen? Amen. Because Luke eleven four 4 tells us this. It says, forgive us of our sins as we also forgive everyone who sins against us. God, I'm going to forgive. And it tells us, we understand that, that hurts and for offenses come our way. We've got to be willing to be like Christ. We are his ambassadors. We talked about this last week. We are his agents here on this earth that we reflect his character, his nature, his love to people all around us. And just like he was able to forgive, we should be able to forgive as well. Amen? All right, then here's the last one. We wrap this up with this, and then I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to this and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to your heart. I choose to forgive because people are hurting. Hurting people hurt people. Healed people heal people. I say that all the time. When people are wounded, when people are hurt, what are they going to do? They're going to respond out of that hurt. When people are healed, they've allowed God to minister their heart and bring healing. What are they going to respond out of? That healing power of God at work within them. And here's the thing. When you wake up in the morning and you're in a grouchy mood, has that ever happened to anybody before? It doesn't take much to rile you up, am I right? You get up, you're grouchy, you didn't sleep well, maybe you don't feel good. You get up, you're a little grouchy, and you walk into the, the kitchen and you realize we're out of coffee. And then you go to get in your vehicle to drive to work and you realize you're almost out of gas and you, you realize, hey, I, you know, yesterday I filled, filled this thing up. I went on by the gas station. It's like things work against you, you know what I'm saying? And then you get to the office and, and, and everything seems to be against you. You go to the copier, it's out of paper. And, and then you go to your office and it's a mess. And somebody walks in and you're already kind of irritable. And they say one thing and what happens? You respond out of that, that irritation, that grouchiness. And so whenever somebody is hurt on the inside... They're somewhat irritable because of the, the offense, the hurt, the wounds, the rejection that they have on the inside. And maybe you say something, just kidding around, or being sarcastic, or maybe, you, you know, you, you say something that kind of triggers them back to remember what happened that hurt them, and that person, boom, blows up. Why? Because people are hurting. Even in this room, there, there's ones of us here who are hurting today. Maybe you're here and you've got a smile on your face, but on the inside, you're falling apart and you're hurting. I, I saw a statistic that showed that 97% of people who abuse other people, they were abused themselves. The reason for that is because they're hurting and they're turning around and repeating that behavior. And even amongst us, when we get hurt, a lot of times we turn around and we hurt other people. We, we need to choose to forgive because we realize that, that people are hurting. They're wounded, they're bruised, they're, they, they have all this going on. I'm going to tell you something, it takes a disciplined mind, it takes a disciplined life to push through all the hurt and the offenses and realize that people are the way that they are for a reason, that something has happened within their life. And to understand that our battle is not against people, our battle is against a very real spiritual enemy, the devil, who loves to come and pick at hurts and wounds and scabs in our life, to try to keep it stirred up. In fact, Paul writes about this in Ephesians 6. He says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, 
but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. In other words, as Christians, our fight is not against each other. Our fight is against a very real devil who loves to stir things up. So quit falling for his trap. Quit holding on to that unforgiveness. Give it to Jesus and let him heal your heart. Amen? And, and I, I think, well, I found a video that I want to show you guys. It, it's it's kind of long, it's about five minutes, but it's a beautiful picture of forgiveness. And, and I think that y'all will like this. It's a documentary that, that a company put together, and I loved it. So y'all check this out. I see these, these three guys walk up to the car, and I wasn't really paying attention to them. One of them asked, you got any change? I had built up a reputation in the neighborhood as someone who was fearless. It didn't matter that I was the youngest, uh, I was given the gun. I heard from behind, I'm serious, give it up. And Debbie immediately screamed. I immediately fired. He shot. I saw one of my teeth fall on the ground. I threw the gun in some bushes and went back to the neighborhood. <sighs> my front tooth was gone. All the teeth on the, on the bottom left side, all of them were gone. Then I found out who it was. They said Ian Manuel 13. I'm like, 13? There's no way a 13-year-old kid shot me. He's just a child. My lawyer at the time, he goes and gets my mom, talks to my mom for about 15 minutes. My mom's older than me. My mom has been in prison before. She's dealt with the criminal justice system before. And she tells me, Ian, do what your lawyer say, baby. Do it for me. Please plead guilty for me. I said, OK, mom. She went to a grave regretting that, man. Because I ended up being sentenced to life. I've been in prison about a year at this time. It was around December 1991. I had all my paperwork scattered out on the table. Police report was in there with Debbie's phone number. So I got the idea, let me call Debbie. I got a phone call, and it was a collect call. You have a collect call from Ian at Appalachian Correctional Institution. Will you accept the charges? Morbid curiosity, more than anything, I said, I'll accept the charges. The first thing I say was, Ms. Bagri, I, I, I called to wish you and your family a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays and to uh, apologize, you know, for shooting you in the, in the face. He said he was sorry for what he did and if it wouldn't be too much trouble, I would like to write you. She said yes. And that's how our correspondence started. I was getting letters from him from the time he was 14. And I'm reading them, and I'm thinking, the way his, his sentence structure, his vocabulary, he is way too young to be this articulate. I'm glad I had followed my heart and picked up that phone that day. Because if not, I would have missed out on a, a truly special friendship. I forgave him because he was a child. I used this to make my life better. Ian had been sentenced to life without parole for a crime at the age of 13. I wrote him a letter 
we're thinking about challenging the constitutionality of life without parole sentences for children. That when the court ruled that it is unconstitutional to impose these kinds of sentences on children convicted of non-homicides, we went back to the court where Ian's case was pending. We said, you have to give him relief. And Debbie came to court and she said she doesn't believe that this sentence was fair or just, and she supports him being released from jail or prison. I told the judge, me and Debbie have been waiting for years for the judicial system to catch up to my remorse and her forgiveness. I was released that night. It's really hard uh, to step out into the world, particularly now when you're coming out as an adult, but you left the world as a child, you look like an adult, but you have none of the life experiences that adults are supposed to have. Ian had never lived alone before. He's never uh, rented anything. He's never had a bank account. He's never learned to drive. He doesn't know any of the things that people assume he knows. You said put your foot on the brake and then press this? But having some outside people who are cheering for him, rooting for him, it's obviously made a huge impact. And nobody has played that role more enthusiastically, more lovingly, and uh, with more commitment than Debbie. You again. <laughs> I, I see Ian for who he is. He still has a lot of growing to do. And I don't glorify him, but our relationship, it's it spans so many years from childhood to adulthood that he's almost like my child. You can just put it in like a, a pan and, and stir fry it. With I'm not saying he wasn't responsible for his actions, but when you're 13, you should be given the opportunity to change, to grow. What I feel is passion for another human being. I saw that, I was amazed. I, I, I don't even know if, if, if they're Christians or not. I know it's a, you know, a secular film. Starbucks put it together. But I thought, as a church, shouldn't we be flowing in that? And then here's my thought, because immediately whenever I saw that, who is it that, that I need to forgive? Who is it that maybe I'm holding on to some things within my heart and within my life? Because if Jesus can hang on a cross and look around at people mocking him, wanting him to die, and offer forgiveness, then surely we can as well. Because he knows that it brings freedom and victory to our lives. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for a moment. Right where you are, just close your eyes. Who is it that you need to forgive? Could be a friend, a family member, maybe somebody who hurt you. Maybe somebody who lied about you. Maybe somebody who humiliated you. I don't know. Who is it that you need to let go of that? And let God take it over. Maybe in this room right now, there's some of you here. You need to experience God's forgiveness for your life. You've never surrendered your life to Jesus. Jesus did not just go to that cross to hang out. He went to the cross so that our sins could be paid for. So that we could have a relationship with God. You can't pay the price for your sins. Only Jesus could do that at the cross for you. And today, if you will surrender your life to him and embrace him as the Lord and Savior of your life, your master, 
And you can be made new on the inside. You can begin to experience life the way that God intends for you to. Maybe today where you sit, you say, Pastor, I, I need to take this step. Never done that before. And today I want to give my life to Jesus. Or maybe you would say, I want to renew my commitment to Christ. I, you know, I had a relationship with God and my heart has gotten distant from God. And today I need his forgiveness all over again. Today I need to renew my commitment to him. And right where you are, with every eye closed in this room, and you just talk to the Lord. Pray something like this. Let me give you the words. Pray something like, Jesus, thank you for going to the cross for me and giving your life for me. You paid the price for my sins. And today, by faith, I receive what you did. I admit to you that I'm a sinner. Today, I repent. I ask for your forgiveness. Jesus, I open my heart to you and ask you to come and live inside of my heart. I surrender my life to you. Be my Savior today and be Lord of my life. I thank you for loving me the way that you do, for giving me the grace and the forgiveness that you give. And Jesus, thank you for letting me step into your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Every eye still closed. Today, who is it that you need to forgive? Father, I thank you for your presence here with us today, that Holy Spirit, you do what you do so well amongst us, touching our hearts and ministering to us, showing us your love. And Father, today I thank you that forgiveness is possible because Jesus, you chose to forgive at the cross. Let us release people to you. And and Father, those hurts, those wounds, those offenses that are there, let us lay them down and let them be covered with the blood of Jesus. Let us be able to move forward in your freedom. In Jesus' name, amen.